0: Ashley Brock reading Laura Griffin's book, (coughs) Unforgivable, Chapter 7. Mia navigated her way through the scrub brush, keeping a sharp eye out for body parts. Cadaver sites were supposed to be marked off with caution tape, but coyotes and other scavengers have been known to ignore the signs. She found Kelsey Quinn on her knees beside a dead pig. Mia counted herself lucky to catch her working on animal remains instead of human. Mia pulled a pink bandana out of her lab coat pocket and held it over her mouth and nose. Pretty sure she was the only participant in the cancer walk thon to be using the souvenir for this particular purpose. That's a big pig. What is it, a hundred pounds? Kelsey glanced up from the carcass. With a gloved hand, she lifted the animal's foreleg, picked up something from beneath it with a pair of twisters. Fly cases? Kelsey dropped the item into a glass jar, then removed the baseball cap she wore over her long auburn hair and wiped her brow with her forefinger. Let's film my graduate Seminole this afternoon, post interval. She placed the cap on her head, gave me an up-and-down look. A penny hose making a comeback. think I missed the memo. Mia's legs felt like icicles. Despite the hoist hair, she typically wore pants to work, but today was an exception. I've got to be in court this afternoon. Bummer. Kelsey stir- <sighs> screwed the lid onto the jar, evidently satisfied with her collection of specimens. She stood up. She looked Mia over in her expression so I heard about Thursday. How are you doing? Six stitches, Mia struck. It's no big deal. That's not what I meant. I know, Mia looked out at the wintry landscape. She could have told Kelsey about the fear, the jumpiness, the inability to sleep, but she didn't want to admit to anyone, maybe not even herself, how anxious she felt during the most mundane activities. Now walking down the grocery aisle, passing strangers in parking lots, taking a shower, her irrit- irrational anxiety wasn't something she wanted to share with people from work. Kelsey tucked the jar into a tote bag along with her tweezers. They set off toward the building in silence. The Delbury Center occupied more than 100 acres of rugged Texas Hill County, a beautiful setting you, forgot, you forget the science projects littered about. Mia found them hard to forget, which was why she rarely ventured out onto the grounds. What brings you out here? I know it's not the fresh air. Dr. Hines sent me, He said, he's been examining some duct tape from for me in connection with a murder case. He said you sent him something similar a while back that was recovered up near Lake Buchanan. How far fall back? Almost two years. I had a case number. The detectives' name was Sadesky. They paused. They passed picnic table that looked dis- dislocated beneath the barren pecan tree. Not a lot of people opting to lunch outside in the weather. Lake Buchanan, just repeated, some kids found her near the lake, spring I think it was, March. They hiked up the back steps of the building and Mia swiped the Heinz said he didn't think we ever got an idea. We didn't. Kelsey stepped inside and unwound a purple Chanel scarf from her neck as she wiped her boots on the map. Remains were fully skeletalized, disarticulated, scattered over a quarter mile area. You were part of the recovery team? I was. They headed down a gently sloping corridor to the bones unit. Kelsey pressed her palm against the panel. Sliding doors parted as they entered a section of the building where the temperature hovered around 60 degrees. We found almost everything. Kelsey continued. Only two phalanges missing, if I remember right. Kelsey had an amazing memory. Mia was pretty good, but she made notes all the time. Kelsey simply absorbed Thanks. She stopped at a cubicle in the astrology section and deposited the jar. She should still be here. now you have time to take a look? Sure. Kelsey led her past the x-ray, sweetening into a spacious examining room with stainless steel tables on either side end of it. When they reached a storage area, Kelsey pressed her palm to a panel and the door slid open. Most morgues are shorts on square footage, Kelsey said, but we're lucky here. They modeled this room after the Smithsonian oodles drawer of drawers space they stepped into a narrow room lined on both sides with shallow drawers each labeled with a number the stacks reached well over mia's head do you need the case number mia asked but kelsey was already making her way to the far end of the long room she stopped in front of a waist tie drawer and checked the label before pulling it out this is another way we're lucky so many places to store bones in plastic tubs or cardboard boxes this way we can keep them arranged properly Mia stared down at the bones of a woman who had been bound with duct tape and killed and left to rot in some wilderness. Kelsey said, I remember her. She walked over to a nearby cart and pulled up a pair of latex gloves from a box. She handed a pair to Mia. Mia studied the skeleton as she pulled on the gloves. Her leg was broken? Actually, no, that was me. Took a wedge out of the femoral shaft to get a DNA sample. One of your colleagues tested it. We entered it in the database, but as far as I know, we never got hit. And you're sure it's a woman? Kelsey pointed to the pelvis. The pelvic bruitio is wide and round in females like this, but narrow for males. It looks as though she never gave birth. It's estimated age early to mid twenties, based on the particular fused Inferial plates, those are the growth plates near the ends of the long bones. So young, Mia gazed down at the bones felt an overwhelming sense of loneliness. Her DNA profile wasn't in the missing person index, which meant her family hadn't submitted a sample. Maybe she didn't have a family, or maybe she did, but they didn't care. The woman might be a runaway, an illegal immigrant, a homeless person who lost touch with her life. Mia gazed down the endless roadside. What a terrible place to end up. Yep. She reached her attention to the bones. She returned her attention to the bones, which were arranged as if the ligaments were still there to link everything. Kelsey picked up the skull and pointed to a depressed fracture. Blood-flossed trauma. It's hard to say for sure, but based on the size, I'm guessing she was hit with a heavy toe. Maybe a wrench or something similar. Mia shuddered. Is that why you remember her? Kelsey pulled a loop from her pocket and handed it to me. Actually, what stood out to me at the time were the knife marks. She pointed to the ribcage. Twelve marks, all made with a serrated blade. Me appeared down at the ribs and the gouges, Kelsey pointed out with her glove finger. Under microscopic examination, you see the striations, Kelsey said. It's a distinctive pattern. I confirmed it with our tool mark experts examiner upstairs we concluded it was most likely a steak knife 12 of the beams were deep enough to penetrate bone but there could have been more than only more that only penetrated the soft tissue mia handed back the lump their geeks is made across the bones mia felt that kinship she sometimes had with others who worked at the double someone's reopen someone's reopening this case aren't they I'm hoping," Mia said. "There's a similar case out at St. Marcus, Similar how? Duct tape, blunt force trauma, peculiarism." Kelsey shook her head. "Good news is this slave's victim was discovered not too long after death." Mia said. "It always amazed her what passed for good news in her profession." "Sameen." "No, but we've got her clothes, her shoes. The attack was very violent. Looks like she found she fought hard. We've got an abundance of blood, and I'm." And I'd be very surprised if the perpetrator managed to get away without leaving a DNA sample. Good, Kelsey snapped off. I hope you know him with it. Rick watched the white roller skate up car coast into the driveway. Mira climbed out and clutched the strap of her computer bag to her chest while the wind whipped her coat around her bare legs. He got out of his truck as she picked her way over, her way over the sidewalk in three inches. Careful, careful, it's slick tonight. She went around, clearly surprised to see him. Their cheeks were tinged pink from the cold. Not the best weather for stilettos. These aren't stilettos, and since when are you a fashion consultant? She looked him up and down, taking in his jeans and t-shirt, which had been thrown through the washer about 500 times each. She tucked his hands into his pockets of his leather jacket and stopped him for You look hungry. Her eyebrows tipped up. Whatever she'd been expecting him to say, that hadn't been it. Ever been to Kleins? Yes. The grease pit just around the corner? Best barbecue in three counties. She glanced at her house, which was dark, except for the porch. I'm supposed to work tonight. You work too much. Says someone who spent his weekend at the cop shop. The second the words came out, she looked at she if she wanted them back. How had she known where he spent his weekend? She must have called the station looking for him and chatting up the receptionist. The idea of her checking up on him probably should have bugged him, but instead it made him feel good. Another glance at her. I need to drop off my computer. Rick tugged the bag off his shoulder. What's in this thing, Brooks? <laughs> my laptop and a few reference books. about and about six weeks worth of reports, I need to finish. <laughs> he watched her disable the alarm and stowed the bag in the hallway beside a cardboard disc box. Small paint thinner hit him, and he noticed the stand stacked beside the bedroom. The ones I'm redecorating. Just in the bathroom. She said, I couldn't sleep last night, so I thought I might as well. Do you have time to change? No, not if we want to get a table, except he liked her outfit, especially the shoes. They get crowded by eight. She locked up again and then headed down the sidewalk with a chilly wind gusting around him. She shoved her hands in the pockets of her coat and inch closer. You going tomorrow? She was talking about the funeral. Yeah, you. I was planning to, but it looks like I'm going to be tied up in court all morning. Which case, he said. Gal Sanchez. The guy's station shooting next SMPD worked that case. I heard it's a slam dunk. Didn't the perp drop a glove at the scene or something? Hats. I recovered DNA from it, too, along with hair samples. But Russ Pickerton is running the defense. No kidding. Rick had yet to meet a cop who could say the name Russ Pickerton without a string of curses tumbling out. Besides being a media whore, the guy would do anything to get a client off, including paying inconvenient witnesses to can't their stories, or so people claim. How Mendoza manage that, Rick asked her. I think he's doing it for the publicity. The whole racial profiling, going, generating some convers- converse, You guys pulled him over on a bum tail light or something. Yeah, we had a tendency to profile drivers who'd break the law. Miss Hill got hung up on a crack in the pavement. Rick caught her by the elbow. Thanks, she said. Kept his hand on his arm and he was close. Like, are you ready for him? Who Pickerton? She sneered. What do you think? The man said, Ew, I can hardly stand to be in the same room with him. He's pretty rough on expert witnesses. It's not just that, she said. He's got a mile long list of liars for hire who would testify to damn near anything, no matter how scientifically improbable. I've seen him in action because I once watched him persuade a jury to acquit a guy based on the idea that the fingerprints on the murder weapon had been planted there by the defendant's twin brother. Twins don't have the same fingerprints, not even identical twins. The prosecutor pointed that out, Rick said. But he had the jury so brainwashed they actually let this guy walk. I couldn't believe it. Mia hopped out of breath. I've got my work cut out for me tomorrow. She got a worried look in her eye. Any progress on the shooting? We're waiting on ballistics. Rick didn't tell her the rest of what he learned that day. What about my Jeep? Still no word. Smoky scent of barbecue wafted toward them as they neared the weathered wooden building with neon beer signs blazing in the windows. Like I said Like I said, you should try to get a check from your insurance company. I doubt you'll get it back, at least not in one piece. "'I don't care about that. I don't think I can stand a drive it. I was thinking for the crime scene text.' "'Rick pulled the door open, and they stepped into a warm room filled with the scent of spice and hickory, "'took her hand and pulled her past the empty hostess stand. "'Twanging country music drifted from the jukebox as they made their way through the dining room "'to one of the many vacant booths lying in the back wall. "'Rick peeled off his jacket and hung it on a hook beside their booth as Mia stood there looking annoyed.' You said they'd be crowded. I'm hungry. I didn't want to wait for you to change. She unbuttoned her black wool coat, slid it off her shoulders, and her hair glided over his fingers as he got his first good look at what she wore in court-a pale blue blouse and some thin silky fabric, and a dark blue skirt that hugged her full hips. Milk felt a pang in his gut that had nothing to do with hunger. Sit down. You're gawky. She slid into the booth and grabbed him. Sorry. young waitress stopped by, and they ordered a couple of beers. When they were alone again, Mia looked down at her menu. You know I don't get you, she said. What's that? She shook her head started to say something and shook her head again. What is it? Nothing. The waitress delivered their beers. Mia ordered rosemary chicken while Rick went for the rib platter. When the waitress slept, Rick got to the point. You were asking about your case. I think we might have a vehicle. Hope flared in her eyes and she did for from the convenience store? What? Was it parked there? We found someone from the Minute Mart. He remembers Dark College Dan pulling up to the pet shop across the street around the time you were in the store. That whole strip center was closed down, so we're thinking it could be the shooter. How can you be sure of the timing? We matched a credit card transaction to a customer who was in there the same time as you and Hayden. tracked him down for an interview. He remembers seeing you, also remembers the car. Why would he remember he seeing me? Every man in that store remembers seeing you. You were in a nice shirt. She wrote to us. I was jeans and a sweater too. Did he remember that? There was also a dark sedan parked at the construction site adjacent to the zoo on Saturday. A security cam caught it. She leaned back, obviously alarmed by this development. But I thought the zoo didn't have surveillance cameras. The director told me they don't the camera was at the construction site mounted on the trailer. They got parked there. The construction company uses it to keep an eye on workers, keep them from sleeping on the job, stealing equipment, stuff like that. We viewed the footage yesterday. Came up with a partial view of a dark colored stand parking at the job site about 30 minutes before you reported Sam missing. Looks like he showed up right after you did. Jonah found a gap in the fence so he could have slipped through unnoticed. Waited for the words to sink in. the no black color to face. Figured they had chances this wasn't some garden variety pervert hanging out at the zoo trolling for kids. He was pointing out the obvious but needed driver's point home. Did you get a look at the driver? Wrong angle. She looked away too. Like, you notice a car like that around lately. Maybe at work or when you've been out? No. Anger flickered in eyes. Why didn't you tell me this earlier about this connection? I'm telling you now, anyway, it's only a possible connection. We're still running it down. The bread arrived. They tore and buttered it in silence. She was clearly upset by the link between the shooting and what happened to Sam. Yes, it was only a possible link, but Rick believed there was something to it. This thing, whatever it was, was about Mia. It was the reason he spent the better part of his Saturday night tromping around a construction site making a cast of a shoe print in a tire track. It was the reason he'd driven by her house every night since the shooting. It was the reason he was there right now telling the civilian confidential details about an investigation. Mia was at the center of this and he needed to figure out why. When their meals came, they moved on to easier topics. Mia filled him in on the unidentified remains she looked at today, and he agreed to check into it. She seemed hopeful about the lead, but Rick thought it was even less promising than the Fort Worth case. Unidentified bones, especially ones that had been sitting unclaimed for two years, weren't likely to offer a whole lot of warm, warm leads. For disgust slapped them as they exited the barbecue joint, the temperature had dropped, and for a while, they walked in chilly silence, began to sleet, and had shivered. Rick draped an arm around her and pulled her against him. She tensed at first, but after a few seconds, she tucked her head against his shoulder. So, how are those lab results coming? Yeah, she didn't answer right away, and he remembered their theory about her and button her up for favors, sharp woman. I'm still working, she said. I was in court all afternoon, so I'm falling behind. Sometimes it seems like all I do is testify. That's because you're good. How did you know? I've watched you. You've got away with your smudge better than your boss. What's his name? Snyder. Prosecutors hate putting him on the stand. That's why you get called so much. It is That and the Freckles. She halted in front of her house and stared up at him. I get called to testify testify because of my freckles sounds like i wasted four years in graduate school he followed her up the sidewalk you look trustworthy like the girl next door jerry's like you they stopped beneath the porch light he reached up and traced a finger down her cheek her bruise was fading and she'd hidden what was left under some makeup being beautiful doesn't hurt either she looked away and she go, what she folded her arms over her chest i'm gonna ask you something and I want a straight answer this time. No bullshit. A fake warning sound in his brain, but he ignored it. You know, you're cute when you curse. <laughs> she rolled eyes. See, there you go again. What? She sipped the She swiped the curl out of her face and glared at him. You're flirting with me? Guilty. Why did you stop calling me at the end of the summer? Be honest this time. You look weird. come on, Rick, out with it. You suddenly weren't attracted to me. You got bored after all those drop-ins and phone calls. You decided you didn't like my personality. Maybe I'm not in the market for a relationship. What makes you think I want a relationship? The warning in his head grew louder, and he still ignored it. You're nesting. <laughs> he said, nesting? You're settling down. We had coffee together, what, three times? And you start looking at me like you're ready to pick out dishes or something. Her arms fell to her sides and her mouth dropped open. I wanted to pick out dishes. Did you really just say that? Yeah. I could pick out my own dishes. What would I need you for? He watched her, not sure how the hell they'd gotten to this point, and he knew that whatever microscopic chance he might have had of taking her to bed tonight had been annihilated. I can buy my own dishes in my own house, too. Thank you very much, Her cheeks flushed me. Only this time it was from anger, not cold. And what is it with men, anyway? You think every woman is sitting around waiting for someone to slip a ring on her finger? Hate to break it to you, pal, but that's a falsely fostered by way too many over-inflated egos. Is that right? That's right. Some women just want sex. Same as men. Rick Stater, you're saying you just want sex. They couldn't help himself. He started laughing. What's so funny? He shook his head, watching her. Unable to control the grinny. even though it pissed her off. You, you're just... her glare into my Forget it. He said, what? Mia, no offense, but you're full of it. When was the last time you went out with a guy and didn't want anything out of it but sex? I don't know. She said, although clearly the answer was never. But maybe I will. Maybe I'll call Vince Moore back. I doubt he's looking to pick out dishes. And he's pretty ripped, too. It might be fun. Rick's humor evaporated. That guy's an asshole, Mia. Stay away from him. His phone buzzed. Rick checked the numbers. Boss, damn it, this wouldn't be good. He turned off the ringer. Mia shoved her key into the lock and turned to face him, blocking the door with her body, just in case he thought he was getting an invitation inside. You need to be careful. He said as his phone vibrated, making a dull rattle against his car keys. I didn't ask you for dating advice. I'm not talking about your safety. I'm talking about your safety, he said. Pay attention to your surroundings. Get a security guard to walk you to your car if you need to work late. Keep your alarm on when you're at home. And if anything unusual happens, call me. She just looked at him. Are you listening, Mia? Be extra careful. Got it. Anything else you want to share? another sound from his pocket, and he yanked the phone out. Santos, hold on. He looked at me. Lock up tight tonight, and don't forget to set my alarm. I know. You better go, Rick. Sounds like you've got somewhere to be. End of chapter seven.